So in, in building a business, I think if you can quickly understand what position you're in, so if you're someone who is okay with wearing all the hats, you have to understand that that comes with a specific level of responsibility and hyper-organization so that you can pay attention to all the things that need to get done and you have all those ducks in a row. You have to organize your thoughts, your files, your things that need to be paid on certain times and all that stuff needs to be in your brain and accounted for. If you happen to have the extra income or support from other people, that's when it comes into deciding how you want to outsource your tasks so that you can maximize the time that you spend on the things that you're really good at and letting other people do the things that you're not so good at so you can be more efficient. Our aim is to reach health and fitness enthusiasts alike by communicating the lifestyle choices necessary for igniting, life-changing, and ongoing human development. This is The Development Project. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of The Development Project. Tristan, what's up? Man, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's a little bit cold today, a little bit chilly than what we've been used to. So ironically enough, uh, I'm wearing pants today. (laughs) Doesn't happen very often for me. But yeah, I'm wearing pants today. In fact, actually, in another note, I give my wife a hard time because she always outdresses me. But I mean, think about it. I haven't been a teacher for almost three years. So really for three years, I just wear shorts and sweats all the time. So for quarantine, nothing's really changed for me. So when I actually get to wear jeans, real pants, it actually feels nice. In fact, I kind of, I look at Becky and I's relationship. I'm like, we are truly lady in the tramp. Like she is such a lady. She dresses so well. She gets so many compliments when we're out and about. And I'm just the tramp over here who wear, like wearing jeans is a good day for me. Yeah. I feel like super spruced and dressed up. <laughs> so yeah. Anyway, that's, that's me. I'm wearing pants today cause it's chilly. I honestly worry about that sometimes because when I think of myself, I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of a tramp too. So when's my lady going to come along? That's actually going to be like, this guy just wears joggers all the time. I The last time I put on real pants was probably a couple weeks ago. I finally got my born primitive jorts in the mail. And I was, it was warm enough outside. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to put my jorts on and feel like a real human. And then after that, I was like, nah, I want to go back to comfy clothes again. I, I don't know why saying I'm wearing pants just it's just so funny to me I I know I know for you like we we actually had a coach's text today and I'm not going to go into the details it's probably not appropriate for our uh, podcast but we all were talking about for our zoom meeting how none of us are going to be wearing pants (laughs) while we (laughs) while we have this zoom meeting so yeah it's just it's very ironic that we're talking about this and I'm actually wearing pants today uh, on a day where I just spoke to everybody about maybe not wearing pants for our meeting. But yeah. My creativity in dressing up right now comes in which pair of Nano 9s am I going to pick for the day, which gets, like, I'm starting, I watched a video this morning on, like, it was a review video on the Nano 10s, and one of the things that the guy talked about was that this one is more narrow in the toe box Mm. than the Nano 9, which for me is, is something I'm a little worried about because I like having that extra space. And he mentioned how it's a little bit heavier and it just feels more snug than the Nano 9 does. So I am still going to buy a pair eventually, but I'm not so sure. He actually said if you sized it down for your Nano 9s to size up for the 10s for a 
um, just because of the narrowness and the snugness factor. So well, that's, something to keep in mind. That's samesies for me because I have very flat, wide duck feet. Mm-hmm. So that's why I like the box of all the Nanos so far. So if it's going to yeah. get narrower, that might be become a problem. Initially, I wasn't so sure about it, but it's weird because the longer you see people wearing something, you're just like, hmm. I think I might like it kind of now. So we'll see. We'll see. I'll give it, I'll give it a try for sure. Well, that basically takes us into today's episode. So I'm just going to go over briefly what we're going to be talking about. I'm in a great mood today. Uh, I fast on Thursdays, so I have tons of caffeine. Uh, Obviously, we just got done listening to uh, some Eminem. You were showing me some, some clips and some sick, sick lyrics from Eminem himself. So I'm all jazzed up and ready to go. So today uh, we're specifically talking about enlisting our top lessons learned in the development of our own businesses. So our structures are different in some ways, but they're also similar in others. And we thought it would be fun to share that with, uh, with everyone and kind of what we've learned in case anyone else out there wants to turn their passion into, into a business. So these are our own lists. And what's going to be very fascinating and unique about today is that in order to keep more of a conversation going, we decided to hear each other's points for the first time. So I don't really know what you're going to be talking about. You don't really know what I'm going to be talking about. So hopefully that that carries carries out well for us and it doesn't backfire. But basically to get us kicked off, Caden, why don't you tell us first lesson that you've learned in starting uh, EIM? Okay. So my first one is to build solid business relationships as a foundation for growth. So what I really mean by that is meeting the right people uh, in the development stage of building a business that will help strengthen what you're setting out to do. So in my instance, it was coming to the gym and meeting you for the first time. So I didn't even know, well, maybe at the point I did know that I wanted to start something on my own, but I had no clear path for how that was going to happen until last April, I think, when one of my classmates offered me to do a workout here. I came and I met you and I thought to myself, man, this would be a really cool place to go to do CrossFit. And then a couple months went by, I'd gotten my level one. I wanted to start coaching. And then once I got on the track for coaching, I realized I think this would be a really cool place to try and start a business within because I think it would be a cool relationship to have. Working and coaching at a CrossFit gym, knowing the owner, being able to reach out to those people and give them a service that they might not get elsewhere was super formative for me. So I think for people who are setting out to do something, recognizing that building relationships with people that can help you and boost you and lead you down the path that's going to give you the success that you're looking for is super important. So for me, it was, it was really just, you know, falling into this, this gym and, and having that relationship there and just kind of and I think the important thing to, to think about now is I didn't start our relationship with the notion of trying to build something off of it. I let it happen naturally. And then once I realized that we were as close as we were, I thought maybe this is someone who can help me with something and and kind of chased it after that. I'm really excited about this because I knew this was going to happen. I knew we probably have some of the same types of things. But what's going to be really unique about this is, is seeing how your business, even in its similarities, are somewhat different and how you came to find your business or to find those relationships differently from me, right? You're coming right out of school and starting a business. I actually started working under people first a little bit 
And I built different types of relationships there before I opened my own. So basically for me, my first one is act to care. And specifically what that means is it's, it's really focusing on letting your actions speak louder than your words. Kind of that, you know, that phrase, that quote that we, we often hear because in the long run, what I've found is no matter what I say, no matter what I do to a certain degree, people are going to forget about that. It's going to go in one ear out the other, or even the things that you do, sometimes people forget about them. But if you really have the purpose to care about others and put a quality into the way that you act towards someone or, or say things to somebody, that is what, based on how they feel on what you've done or, or how you care, how you have cared about them, that's what they're going to truly remember over time. Uh, so for me, same thing, relationships are kind of the foundation for success. But I just love how you just said that because for me, don't let relationships be confused with networking. You just said it yourself. You found a relationship first, and then that started to give you ideas down the road once you've kind of built on that relationship, the opportunities that it might bring to you. Instead, a lot of times networking, it can also often has the intent of benefiting just you. And that's when relationships really aren't built. Once you find that someone's not giving you what you want, you're, you're done with them, right? And, and even though I'm, I don't think people are out there necessarily being selfish or have the intent to be selfish, that is sometimes what it comes across as. And if you do it too often, too much, and you get into this pattern, that's when you actually find out you're like, I don't have any real meaningful relationships. And mm-hmm. when you really need somebody, they're not there for you because truly you're not there for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think for me, relationships take the concept of networking to a much deeper level, which I think is what you just spoke about. Right. You, you took a relationship and then that relationship turned into a networking opportunity for you. And I think that that is the best and healthiest way to go about those things. You know, some things that I, I do as a owner and a coach, I think in order to not make this about networking and really make the relationship deeper and deeper and just stronger is always trying to be as intentional as you can. Obviously caring about your customers, this people need to understand that your customers are people. They're not a dollar sign. They're not money. You know, obviously those things can happen and that's great, but you need to make sure that you are actually supporting your members uh, just as much as they're supporting you. And the biggest thing for me that I have found over this time is you don't just support your members when they're inside the gym. You find ways to support them outside the gym because, again, that's the things that I think they're really going to remember. And that's that's that feeling that we just talked about. They might forget what I said to them in the gym, that cue I gave them. They might forget what I did for them in the gym, you know push them to go further than what they thought they could. But it's when you really step outside of the gym and you can start doing things for people just as ordinary everyday people, that's when that, that relationship can just continue to blossom. Yeah. Cause relationships are more than just the relationships that you have between the people that help you with your business, but it's also with your customers and the people that you serve. Mm-hmm. So making sure you build relationships there too, I think can really help drive yourself forward. Yeah. Without getting too deep into it, I think for me, something that, again, I've, I've had to utilize and, and learn over time is, again, a little bit different from you is I was an assistant coach first. Then I was a head coach. Then I was an owner. And the differences between those things have been very, very hard for me because relationships are so important to me. And there are people where I created a certain type or... Um, you know, a certain way of having a relationship with somebody when I was an assistant or head coach. And it has to be completely different now. You know, people, they, they get so sensitive and 
if they feel like you're playing favorites, you know, that can become a real problem in a, in a business uh, structure and stuff like that. So it's really trying to figure out my work-life balance with my relationships. And it's been really hard. I, I've never, I haven't given up any of my friendships, but the time that I spend with those people have definitely come down because <laughs> to take it like a person who has multiple children, we all know you have a favorite but you can't show those kids which one is a favorite. It's very similar with being an owner. I don't want anyone to be like, oh, they're clearly your favorite. No, I spend just as much time with each person. I give just as much person the same type of value. And it is now different from when I was an assistant or a head coach. Yeah, cool. All right, number two for me is choosing between being hyper-organized and outsourcing your tasks. So this is a lesson that, I've learned in just through my own experience in the past, I wouldn't even say, I don't even know if I've been in business for more than six months, Mm -hmm. but I've realized that for me, I have low income still because I'm in sort of that scaffolding phase of building something. So I'm the person that has to wear all the hats and take care of all of the things that I normally would pay someone else to do if I had the resources for it. So in, in building a business, I think if you can quickly understand what position you're in, so if you're someone who is okay with wearing all the hats, you have to understand that that comes with a specific level of responsibility and hyper-organization so that you can pay attention to all the things that need to get done and you have all those ducks in a row. You have to organize your thoughts, your files, your things that need to be paid on certain times and all that stuff needs to be in your brain and accounted for. If you happen to have the extra income or support from other people, that's when it comes into deciding how you want to outsource your tasks so that you can maximize the time that you spend on the things that you're really good at and letting other people do the things that you're not so good at so you can be more efficient. That's definitely the path that I see myself going down eventually, hiring people to do the things that I'm not as good at or really don't want to do. But at the moment, I just have to stick with wearing all the hats and just making do with what I have. But with that being said, there's nothing that says that if you're the person wearing all the hats that you can't get advice from other people that do things that you're not that great at. Even if you're not paying them to do the whole service, you can still ask for help and advice to to sort of get you on the right track so that you're more efficient. Yeah, we've talked about this in the last episode about having mentors So obviously, I mean, I don't mean to, but I know that I've been a mentor to some capacity for you. I know that you have plenty of people, not only at school, but other mentors in your field of work or line of work that you talk to on a regular basis. And so it's, it's, how did you open your business? What do you do? You know, how, how long did it take you until you had to start outsourcing those things? I don't think there's anything wrong with being a hyper-organized person. It's just understanding that there will come the day where you, you can't let pride you know, Mm -hmm. get in the way of those things. Yeah. I know someone that works on the West side of Indy. His name's Chad. And we sort of stumbled upon each other, I think through a Facebook group of clinicians. And we met one time for coffee and we started to get to know each other. And I've, you know, I've been asking him lots of questions on a variety of topics. And some of them aren't even really business related. They're more about you know, how do I structure my, you know, how do I better myself as a clinician or how do I change my thinking so that my thinking is more critical and not so black and white. And he's been a huge help in that aspect because I think you always need, someone always needs to be there to give you that little extra advice and speak from experience 
because I have almost no experience in most of the things that I'm doing. And that that's, everyone goes through that. So I think having, you know, like a master splinter to your Teenage Mutant Ninja <laughs> Turtles is super important. Wow. <laughs> Sorry, my mind just went. I, I had Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, like everything when I was a kid, all the way to <laughs> the toys. I know that my bed sheets were for that. I, I was a huge Leonardo fan. My sister Leonardo. was a Donatello. She was such a nerd. She's so smart. So she naturally was like, oh, Donatello, that's yeah. me. That's awesome, though. That's yeah. great. Cool. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah, so for me, it, it it actually, again, goes well into it. Here's one of mine. Um, it's about the we, not I. So again, just like what you said, you do have to wear all the hats right now. And what's so ironic is, for the most part, I had to wear all the hats as well, but I was slightly fortunate. I didn't have to hire a team they came free, right? My wife is my wife. Um, she is an amazing marketer, communicator. So she immediately took that off of my hands, but I still was wearing so many other hats when I first started. But what's important is again, right? Putting that pride aside, when the time comes, you need to understand like, this is the time I've got to give this up and here's why. So it's very important to surround yourself with a great team. You shouldn't be doing everything on your own, even if you can unless like you already alluded to, it's just where you're at right now and, and you understand that, but you have no intentions of keeping it that way. I mean, for me, every business is different, what you have in it, but you know, specifically for CrossFit, I mean, just some of the things, there's coaching, there's programming, the products and the services, the operations, marketing, so many other things, cleaning, right? You don't, Some people don't even think about a facility being cleaned. And then not to mention for us, something that we've been very successful with is events. I, uh, I think I looked at the calendar just in, in light of this conversation. We had 28 events weekends out of 52 last year. I did not know that. And that's not something that anybody thinks about. They just think like, oh, 44 hours worth of classes every week. That's all that they're doing. No, in a week, we have an event to get ready for. Think of it like a church service. You know that you have your church service every single Sunday, you know, something like that. That's what you're getting ready for. For us, we not only have everybody in the building 24, you know, Monday through Sunday, but we also have random events that we throw on. We have great relationships with RWB. Obviously, any CrossFit gym has the open for an entire month. Uh, Murph, those kinds of things. So those are just to name a few. And then obviously we've, we've discussed this, you know, we've, we've had two events now that we put on a year and that takes so much time to get ready for. Uh, it's not just a one weekend thing, all the preparation, uh, in store for that. So basically alluding to, you need to be able to put people where they're the strongest. And here's what, here's something I'd really like to portray to people. Let's say I'm wearing all the hats in my business and I'm, and I'm giving everything a nine out of 10. That's impressive. So impressive. But here's the truth. Nobody's giving out awards to me. I don't get rewarded because I did everything nine out of 10. And I'm, the point is, is if you can find something that somebody else can do a 10 out of 10, there's two benefits to that. Okay? And there's one, you just improved your service from a nine out of 10 to a 10 out of 10. Secondly, you've now given yourself back time, which is one of the most valuable things. And now you might find that with that time, something that you're doing a nine out of 10, you can make that now a 10 out of 10. And that's huge. And that's, it's literally one of the most valuable things you can do. Put that pride aside, like we've just discussed and understand that it is okay to admit that somebody else is better than you at something. As long as you can now go and give a talent or skill or energy to something else and make it top of the line, that's what's important. Yeah. We tend to 
allude to music as examples for things. And as you were saying that, I started to think like there's something way different in the the quality of a one-man band <laughs> versus a four-man band. You put one guy doing things moderately well, maybe you can get a couple of good songs going, but then you take four people who are either really good at singing, really good at guitar, really good at bass, and really good at drums, and mm-hmm. you put them together, and now you have a stellar product. And that's kind of what we're talking about. You need to find people that are that 10 out of 10 at you know doing your marketing, a 10 out of 10 at doing your cleaning, a 10 out of 10 at coaching a specific subgroup of people in, in the gym so that you can focus on the things that you know you're a 10 out of 10 for, and then your members, as a result, get a combined 10 out of 10 experience because you've got all the right people doing all the right things. So I like that a lot. That's absolutely true. And, and you know that I love your analogy. As music should be one mm-hmm. of the, the best analogies. I, I love that. So yeah, uh, just, just kind of finishing up on that. Something that you'll get into, I know you will, is having meetings. You just said it yourself. You don't have anybody that works for you, but it doesn't mean that you can't have those sounding boards or those conversations with people. For me, I have conversations all the time. Communication is so important. So yeah, when you're setting up those meetings, it's so important to be on the same page. And then most importantly, understanding your role. You don't want some, you don't want two people working on the same thing, right? It's it's a waste of your time. You want to make sure that everybody understands their role. It's very, very clear. And then this obviously just opens up better things for your business from a planning and organizational standpoint. And I think moving forward, that is something that even if you don't have a team around you, you can still select or or create a team almost in your head of of peers, you know, that you can obviously still create that that atmosphere with, even though you're a one man, a one man show. Mm-hmm. So what else do you have for us? What's your third? So my third is a phrase. I got it from from Gary Vee. I don't know if that's where it originated from, but that's where I saw it, and it really resonated with me. It's that slow dimes are greater than fast nickels. So what that really means at its core is that quick money does not necessarily yield long-term value. So In the beginning phases of starting a business, you need to understand that there are certain things that you need to invest in for yourself that are going to yield long-term value and not turn over a quick profit. You have to make decisions that are going to set you up for that long-term success, and sometimes that comes at the cost of not making money right away. For me, it was finding a way to and for, for me, it's a time investment. So I've invested a lot of my time in the hopes of not necessarily needing to make a certain amount of money in order to get things going that I need to get going. So I put a lot of time into being able to house my clinic within the gym. And the things that I've purchased for myself are not things that are disposable. So I've, I've purchased equipment and other things that last long periods of time. They might have cost a little bit more in the moment and might not return value immediately, but there are things that are going to return value in the long term as the train starts to roll. So understanding that business is a 5, 10, 15, 20-year process. It's not something that you want to be profitable in for six months and then have die. Yeah, Some one small example for us is a lot of gyms have to decide, hey, do I take out 
a loan? Do I not take out a loan? If I'm not going to take out a loan, I can only buy a small amount of equipment. That's how I'll get started. It's, it's like you said, investing in yourself. Other, another way that you can look at it is taking out a very big loan and really going big, right? Kind of creating a Taj Mahal and knowing that, hey, I have the confidence in myself. If I go big on this, this is what's going to get me, you know, the greatest reward or build up that success over time and I'll pay it off. You know, so th- there's two, just those two small things in businesses, loans or no loans, you know, that's right. one way to kind of think of it. But I do love that. It goes back to the act to care too. I think it really talks and speaks well to what you're talking about is like, being slow and understanding the process of building those relationships and, and making sure that your clients know that you're really there for them. I mean, that's, that's what's more crucial above all else. Yeah. And the way I imagine this, and I think where I really got the idea was I listened to some podcasts well before I decided I wanted to open up my own clinic about the business of fitness. So CrossFit gyms specifically. And one of the more common themes that I heard from people who decided to not do the loans for starting their gyms is that they would purchase the equipment that they needed that could get them by in the moment. And then instead of taking a paycheck, they took the income that they made from their members over a certain amount of time and they reinvested it in themselves by purchasing more equipment, things that they knew over time could build value into the gym and then they would get to a point where, you know, we have all the stuff that we need. We're providing a great experience for people. Now I can start to take a paycheck. Yep. And, that, and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I, I did something somewhat similar, yet so different. I, I went out and I bought a lot of equipment. I wanted my members to be fully functional right away. Uh, there was also this eye test that it brings. It's been one of our greatest compliments. When we first opened, people came in and I mean, just literally seeing people's mouths drop because they haven't been in a gym as nice or seen the equipment that we have. I love it when my members go on vacations, they go into these gyms and hundred percent of the time they come back and be like, wow, thank you. Thank you for investing in us and in, in the, the, this equipment because the gyms that we were at, they're old, they're falling apart, they clearly don't care as much, you know, those kinds of things. But I've done the same thing because of that investment I made. And we're not going to get into the weeds of it, but what, seven, eight months I took, I didn't take a paycheck. Mm-hmm. That way I could I could pay that back off because that that's what was important to me specifically at the time. It's very interesting because this brings me into my next one. So don't let your giving become slavery. Okay, I really want people to understand that, you know, depend, depending on your circumstances, as a new business owner, success always comes at a price, and you've already alluded to it. One is time. You're, you're obviously going to have to start giving more of your time than what you're used to. But the second one, depending on what your business is, you have to let people see your services and understand the value of those services. Unfortunately, sometimes we have to give those away for free at the beginning. And there's this gray area, and what's important is that you need to understand and you need to identify that. Because there will, there will come a time where all of those things will definitely give you success. But if you continue to always give too much of your time to give away free things, there will come a time where that plateaus and you'll eventually drift off. So it's, it's about understanding and identifying that. So for example, you know, when do you need to begin restricting your time so you can put more energy back into the other things and increase your worth for your business? And then with the free services, when is it time to start charging? In order to find those who truly value you the most, you have to start charging them for, for those things versus, you know, obviously those people who continuously take yet never apply mm-hmm. what you're actually giving them until you actually charge. 
you know, that's when you'll find out the people who really mean the most as clients and as customers. Um, one way for me that I've really been able to put this into place and make it work for myself, my wife talks about it all the time, is creating a non-negotiable list. Basically what this is, is th this is not open for discussion. That's what these things are. Uh, it's, it's kind of pre-identifying what you're not going to waste time on. I'm not even going to give it another a second because I've already made up in my mind this is what's important to me in my life. One for me is a personal thing. It's, it's very valuable. It's identifying my sacred time. Basically, sacred time, meaning it's me time. I've learned it's very important to communicate that to people. I think for me, I just assume that's what people know, and I can't do that. I need to let people know what that looks like, when that is, those kinds of things. It's important for me so I can continue to grow, right? Mentally, yeah, physically for me, spiritually, those are all very, very important factors. And the more that I can continue to do that and grow, that that allows me to give more of myself to other people, right? It's, it's how I actually recharge myself, and it, it keeps me passionate and on fire for coming back and doing what I do with my business. I, I do understand, you know, this is something to keep in mind. I understand the importance of my family and my business, and there will be times where they absolutely take precedence over me time. But if this is something that is just constant, if I'm always giving of my time and it's always a give and, and people are always just taking, right, it's not going to be healthy for me and for my customers and for my wife and, and so on down the road. So yeah. very, very important. Yeah, and, and it's weird for me because I definitely resonate with what you're saying, and I think that's valuable advice, and it's something that I will keep in mind as things change in my life, but it's weird because now it's it's really just me, and so I have this weird pull of like, should I structure out that me time for myself, or because I have so much time and, and not really as much to do other than school, do I just go, go, go 24 seven? And what I'm realizing is one thing, especially recently is you don't have to answer the emails or answer the text messages right away. Those things aren't urgent. They aren't the first things first. There needs to be some distance put in place so that I don't feel like I'm, like you've said, a slave to other people or the services or things like that while also recognizing that when you give for free, you need to make sure that what you're giving reflects, reflects the value of what you're eventually going to be charging. Because you don't want people to think that, oh, I got a free service and I understand why it was free because it, it really didn't help that much. Give them something for free, but make it feel like, yeah, that definitely was worth some money. That I understand why in the future when I pay, that's why it's worth that. Yeah, just to open up a little bit on myself is, is I used to do a lot of nutrition coaching and it was something that whether it be friends of mine or I wasn't confident enough or, oh, well, I didn't have a certification, therefore what? I, I don't know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. You don't have to have a certification to know what you're talking about. But I let that stuff creep in and I gave away those services for free or at a very, very cheap, cheap value. And when I realized how much time it was taking in the service that I was giving somebody, and then you try to obviously make that charge a little bit more, it didn't work out for me. And it, it just started to drown me 
And so when I started this business, I was doing some nutritional stuff at the beginning and I had to just give it up. It was just, it was sucking so much of my time and that value was not being, which for me is time, that value was not being given back to me. Mm -hmm. So pretty, pretty tough uh, to realize that, you know, but obviously something that just needed to go. Yeah. So do you have uh, non-negotiables for work? other than your personal non-negotiables? Yeah, it's a little less deep <laughs> than my personal stuff. But yeah, some small ones is, you know, I've had some people ask for like 24-7 access to the gym. That's mm -hmm. an absolute no-brainer for me. Yeah. It's not what we're about. We're a community here. And if I allow 24-7 access, you're not, you're not meeting people. You're not working out with people. Yeah. So, I mean, I understand that people have different jobs, different times that they work, but that's just not what we're about. So that's an easy one. One that I know you can... Uh, understand is for our coaches. This is a non-negotiable. I've had, uh, I don't know, eight to 10 people probably reach out to me. We, we have never put out there that we're looking for coaches, but I've had eight to 10 people contact me through messages asking to coach here. That's great, man. That makes me feel really, really good. The fact that you want to coach here. But as soon as we go through this, and this is what it is, I require every single one of my coaches to be a member here first for at least four months. That's minimum. And there's no promise after those four months that you'll become a coach. Uh, but it's very important because during those four months, that's, that's an opportunity to create a relationship with me, uh, create a relationship with our other coaches, our members. And quite frankly, if you're willing to, to pay, that is the first step in loyalty. And that can go a long, long way with me. After that, it's kind of like the same thing. And you already know this with our members. We allow a free week one trial for anybody that wants to try us out. Come try us out for one one week. We have nothing to hide. But more importantly, I want to know that this is the place that you want to be. And if we can do that with coaches, oh my gosh, that saves me so much time. And it's so much more valuable. It helps them. If, if, they, if I know that they want to be here and they've been a member for four plus months, I know that they're going to become a better coach because they're more involved and they're more engaged with what we have going on here. And that just adds to the value of our community and our culture. And I, I know that you can speak on that. Yeah. You don't want people working for you that are only doing so because they're getting something out of it because then their drive and their incentive is in the wrong place. You want, you want people who, when you're not the one speaking to your members, you want someone that is going to reflect the values that you hold most dear to yourself and someone that just comes in and is like, yeah, I want to coach because I don't want to pay as much in my membership that they're not really valuing the community. Then at that point, they're just valuing money. Something that's super ironic. All 10 of those people that reached out to me, not one of them's one of my coaches. You know, another ironic thing, if you take my wife and I out of it, our five coaches here, not a single one of you asked to be a coach here. You came as a member. Maybe there was a small conversation had when you first joined, but for the most part, I didn't even know that any of you wanted to be coaches necessarily. And then after four months, guess what? I approached you. That four months was almost like your interview process. And that's why you're a coach here because I saw your talent. I saw your gift. I saw your drive and the loyalty that you had to this gym. And that's, it's really blossomed for not only our gym and our members, but obviously I'll, I'll say it on again. Our culture is top of the line. Um, another one, it's kind of personal on work both, but it's more just a motto to live by. And you and I have actually talked on this a lot recently, so I know that this will be uh, familiar to you. But for me, you know, if, if something can't be done with integrity and quality, 
It shouldn't be done. Don't do it. Don't do it until you can give those two things 100% all the way to it. Don't force it. Don't cut corners. You're just going to have a product that is not not the value that your members deserve, right? It's it's just going to be less than it, than what it could be or what it should be. So until you can reach that 100% level, don't even give it give it a day or a time like it's just not worth it. So, um what do you have for your last one? Okay. All right. So my last one is for me and this one speaks more towards physical therapy. It's that I've learned that I need to offer solutions to problems for people and not just treatments for symptoms. So there is a book called Building a Story Brand by Donald Miller. I don't know if you've read it or not. I have not. So that is a book that I read early on in developing, you know, the brand of excellence in motion. And one of the key points in the book is that every person, every individual in life believes that they are the hero of their own story. And so in a hero's journey, typically you have you have the hero and there's a problem that develops. And in that process, they have to find a way to overcome the problem in order to be successful in the end. And most often, like, I'll use Star Wars as an example. I don't know if you watch a lot Ooh, of Star Wars. Our members are going to love that. Yeah. So Luke Skywalker is, you know, this this farm boy who, you know, has, has never known his parents, any of that kind of stuff. He stumbles across Obi-Wan Kenobi, and as the conflict develops, Obi-Wan Kenobi sort of serves as a mentor, as a guide, someone who offers Luke a solution to the problem that he now faces, which is reflected eventually later on in the next couple of episodes. So what we have to do as business owners is we need to be that guide for our customers because we need to give them the solution to the problem that they have because we want them to feel like they're a hero and they have someone that has their best interests at heart that's going to help them reach the goal that they want to reach. So for you, it's the problem that people face is that they want to be healthier. They want to be more active. You have a solution to that problem, and it's, and it's CrossFit. It's fitness. For me, it's people who have movement dysfunction, pain, injury, all of those things. They don't know how to overcome it, and so I want to try to be the guide that puts them on the right path. But the key to it is making them feel like they're the hero and that they're the one that's at the center of the story, not us. So the more that we can remove ourselves as the centerpiece of the story and make it more about them, the better experience we're going to give people in the end. And so for me, recognizing that I can offer a solution to a problem that someone has is way more valuable than having a quick treatment for some symptom. We want to recognize what what is the what is the true underlying problem and how do we fix that rather than just, you know, for lack of a better term, slapping ice on it, rubbing dirt in it, and just saying, this will make you feel better for now, and then just come back and see me later on. I want to empower you to, to make those changes and, and build yourself up. You know, not that I know anything about parenthood yet, but I can't help but think of this analogy. It's it's like a child growing up, and if you as the parent just want a quick fix, you just do it for them. You're not actually taking the time to teach them and even though in that moment, what, something that you did in five minutes, it could it might have taken you 20 minutes to have to teach them that. And you might have to do that, I don't know, two or three other times. 
But those two or three other times, what's that going to accumulate to a total hour out of your life? Whereas those five minutes that you're doing it for them, you might have to do that a hundred times. And not only have you now wasted more of your actual, your time, but now your child has never learned as they get into adulthood, how to do what it is that, you know, you're trying to teach them. So they become super dependent instead of independent. Um, and then, yeah, I love that with, with the members, you know, I've, I just talked about nutrition a little bit. If members are coming in here looking for a magic pill, I don't have one for you. And so like, that's, that's the quick thing. If, if you're just going to try to throw supplements at people or something like that, even if it works for a short amount of time, it's not a long, long term thing, teaching them CrossFit, how to move better, the importance of exercise, what a healthy lifestyle and, or, you know, diet looks like that's what's going to breed long-term results and stuff like that. And I think there, there's a big differentiation in life between things that you choose to place in the hands of other people, because either you don't know enough to complete a task on your own, or you don't really want to spend the time or money learning how to do something. And so that makes sense. But from a broader standpoint, what I always tend to come back to is dependency kills freedom and growth. When you rely on someone so heavily on something, then you lose the ability to grow in that area and you never develop as a, as a person. You're always constantly stuck relying on them for something. It's just like, might be a bad analogy, but you think about like a rich kid that grows up where mom and dad pay for everything. They always bail them out of trouble. They, they never learn responsibility. They never learn how to take care of themselves then when they finally go to college, they all the only thing they know how to do is cook ramen. They can't even do their own laundry, <laughs> like things like that. And you, sure. you you want people to have experiences where they have to figure out how to do things on their own. Yeah, our, our last four or our, our fourth one, a little bit different, but you talking about growth, it actually does lead into my last one. So uh, the lesson is satisfaction breeds failure. Mm-hmm. So again, kind of talking about dependency and independency. This. This is something that I've learned. It's taken a lot of time to kind of put this one together because I think in the back of our minds, we want to work so hard to get to a point where like, oh, then I'll be satisfied. But a quote that Becky and I have always lived by ever since we moved here to Indianapolis, in fact, it was our very first quote that we put up on our chalkboard in our in our house. It is what or how we actually came up with made for greatness. It is the quote, good is the enemy of great. We've always lived up, lived by that motto, um, and it's it's helped both of us as individuals. It's helped us in our marriage, and obviously, it's helped us as business owners. Another big part of this is I've I've spoke to you about it before is the Growth Summit conference that I went to in Phoenix last September, and it was a a book called uh, The Nine Motivations um, Manifesto, and it's written by Brendan Bouchard, and it's just obviously talking about the importance of growth and never stopping. And so for me as a business owner, there's just, there just needs to always be a constant assessment and evaluation of, of everything that you're doing, right? It's yourself, it's your coaching staff, the people that work for you. It can also be the products that you, you give. And then for me, it's, it's an awareness of your competitors. You know, competitors don't have to be bad people. They can be your friends. Um, I have great relationships with some other CrossFit coaches and owners, and we talk to each other. We are technically competitors, but we have that friendship, that respect, and that understanding. You know, think about it like sports. 
I'm a huge Vikings fan, so we hate the Packers. Do you know how much better Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers has made us over the years? Because we have such a respect for them that that creates a need to, to have a better defense or to hire a better defensive mind or hire a head coach like Mike Zimmer, who's known for his defense. We specifically have him as a coach, I guarantee you, because of the Green Bay Packers. How do we beat the Packers twice a year? Right? So it's no different. You don't have to look at people and be like, oh, I don't like them. We need to be better. No, 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 no. Respect what they've done. And again, I've spoken about this before. It's a compliment. Mm -hmm. It's a compliment to your competitors to constantly be aware of what it is that they're doing. When you do this, this is also a great way to give you the ability to recognize opportunities. You may not know opportunities otherwise, unless you're actually trying to assess the market, assess what other businesses are doing around you. If not, you're just kind of flying blind. It's it's one of those interesting conversations that I think we had Monday or Tuesday, right? And and I was just giving you some feedback about uh, another client of yours, and they had kind of spoken to me. And I gave you that feedback, and one of the things you said, you're like, thank you. It was actually kind of a hard conversation for mm-hmm. you and I to have, but it really helped us. It really helped you. And one of the last things you said before I left was, you know, that really helps me because since I am a one person business. I don't know if what I'm doing is right. I think I'm working hard. I think I'm doing the right thing. But Caden, you could have wasted an entire year mm-hmm. doing what we talked about. We talked about a few things that day. And what's hilarious, you haven't you and I haven't even talked about it. I've seen your Instagram. You've already applied two of the things that I specifically told you you should start doing and boom, just like that, you did it. And that's just a compliment on you. It actually has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but like the ability to learn and immediately put something into practice. I mean, that's how I know you're going to be a successful business owner is because that day you could have gotten super, super upset, closed down, shut down, not listened to what I said and been like, you know what? I know what I'm doing and I know this is better, but instead you listen to what I had to say. And I even admitted to you, I wasn't even, (laughs) I'm not even a special specialist in that field, but you, you know, I've been around some people like my wife specifically, and I've learned a lot of things and I just gave you the knowledge that I did have. It's not something I've even ever done, but I gave you that knowledge and man, you just ran with it. And that's huge. And that's great. And I think that's a huge part. Even if you don't have a competitor, have someone that you can take that feedback from who can help you grow and just continue on. Yeah. I think competition breeds success. And I'll, I'll be honest with you after I, after we had that conversation I was I was almost filled to the brim with anxiety because it was something that I hadn't thought of deeply enough and I was like man am I doing something wrong do I need to change everything completely like I I really got worried and I actually did go to one of my mentors and I had a conversation about it all and I was just like am I on the right track is this something that you've experienced is is this something that everyone experiences and it really helped me to understand that like, yeah, it's a, it's a common thing. And I appreciate both of you for giving me, giving me that perspective, because if I hadn't heard any of any of those things, nothing would be different. And, and while there are some things that I don't think I'm going to completely alter, I definitely did take some steps and I changed some things and I'm approaching stuff a lot differently now. And my mind is, is going in these other directions and I'm seeing the opportunities that I have to grow and explain my value to people 
because I want people to understand that I can help them with something. And if they're not getting that I can help them, then, then I'm never going to be able to form that relationship. So that conversation was really great because it's, it's now putting me on the path of figuring out how I can reach out to people and let them know, like, I have a solution to your problem and I want to help you and I want to make your life easier and better. I think it's kind of a sorry, not sorry scenario. I am sorry to hear that you had some anxiety, but I'm not sorry that you were able to figure that out because I think that if you're having anxiety, shoot, even if you get mad about something, I think it just reinforces and should reinsure you that you are in the field that you need to be in and that you're passionate about what you are passionate about. Yeah. If I didn't care, then I wouldn't have probably wouldn't have had anxiety or been thinking about any of it. You're right. I could have just been like, nah, I don't like your advice. I'm not going to listen. So right. yeah, absolutely. Hey guys, we really appreciate you listening. Uh, we hope you all found this to be very valuable. The goal for sharing these reflections is obviously just to provide key lessons many of us can apply to our own lives. We understand that while these lessons are kind of in the context of owning a gym and more of a healthcare business, you know, Caden and I both feel that they're transferable skills or principles that, you know, many of us can benefit from implementing. Yeah. Thanks, Tristan. To hear more from us and stay up to date on upcoming episodes, be sure to catch us on Instagram at DVPMT Project. We'll catch you later, everyone.